My name is Joanne Averson, and this is the podcast, Pain Removed, Performance Improved. Hi, my name's Joanne Averson, and this is Pain Removed, Performance Improved, and I am thrilled and delighted and very happy because my dear friend Lisa Babiak is with me today. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure's mine. (laughs) pleasure's mine. So Lisa and I have known each other a number of years. And why I want to talk to you today is because Lisa is one of those very brave, practical people that makes things happen. And she's a bit like me in some ways in that we both share a a lot of um, impatience with talking, 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 talking about all different kinds of body work and all different kinds of anatomy and all different kinds of the ways that we should, would, could do things if all we had to do all day was sit and read books or watch conferences as opposed to participate and get moving. And I, I have a thing that movement is not an intellectual process, but Lisa takes that 10 steps further and actually is so into the integrated animation of being alive in motion that she created with Paul Thornley and Rachel Tudor, the Integrated Biotensegrity Symposium that last year was so popular and just out of demand has recreated it again this year. So I'm so excited to be part of it. So Lisa, what was the inspiration behind Integrated Biotensegrity Symposium? What, what got you and Paul and Rachel together in the first place? Uh, movement is you know the simple answer there movement inspired myself and then meeting Rachel and Paul who are also looking for um a, a, a you know since the pandemic started we met each other through different online opportunities and offerings to learn just understanding what each other did and wanting to give people a movement experience that got them off of their chair and got them moving and understanding um, movement that is whole and complete and Mm. supports living. So we thought, okay, let's, let's give it a go. Let's give it a try. We had nothing to lose. We were all sort of, in our little spaces on Zoom, trying to do what we do in person on a screen and thinking, well, let's, let's try it, see how it works. And it was, it was so much fun. It was brilliant. Well, I, it was fabulous last year and and I know it will be again. And I, I know one of the themes that the, the setup that you created, if I'm not mistaken, was that everybody wants a bit of reasoning behind what they're doing. I'm not saying you can't have good anatomy and sound integrated knowledge of biotensegrity. And, you, you know, you've got, the, you've got the dream team there. So with all the people that are coming on, on board. Yes. So last time, and tell me if we're doing the same format this time, it's each morning there's a, a keynote presentation and then the rest of the day is devoted to movement based around that theme is that is that what you're going to be doing yes yes so the first 
part of the day is the keynote speaker that will give a lecture, you being one of those, Joanne. And so it just sets the tone for the day, brings yeah. the science forward. And, and then you've got three movement presenters that will be um, engaging in movement that people get that kinesthetic experience from the leaping from the keynote talk. Into practice, yeah, into practice. Yeah. That's the thing. And yes. that's what I love about it, that, you know, that we're all so devoted to making it actually animated experience of the sensory awareness and the somatic integration of what we're talking about but how does it feel and you I think we had the most amazing experience last year didn't we that people just didn't want to go they didn't even take breaks when we had breaks right right everybody stayed on camera so we would go off even for lunch like lunch we had a half hour break and people were you know bringing their their lunch or whatever because it's different time zones uh, you know, for Paul, it was three o'clock in the morning and nobody him. wanted to leave. And I mean, finally, we had to cut everybody off because the Q&A could have gone for, I'm sure, another couple hours at the end of the whole day. So I think what was what what was so important about that was that it was live because some of yeah. these opportunities to learn are recorded, which are great. Um, this was just different and unique in the way that it, every session was live. So, you know, you would have your keynote and then you'd have the Q&A for 15, 20 minutes. And then the next person would come on with movement and there would be the Q&A right after. So you could, and I like to call it real time. It's real time teaching, yeah. real time discussion about it. So mm. then whatever you did, it you could have a conversation about it right away rather than, Sometimes in a recording, you know, as, as the presenter, you think, okay, well, what was I thinking at that time? Because so much can change, as you know, with biotensegrity, that so much can change from one movement that you've done one day to another. Mm. Mm. So it was all in real time. It was all happening in the moment and the questions were coming from the moment and sharing was coming from the moment. It was just this great connective thing that we had that you know we were kind of gobsmacked because it was like how can we connect with people on zoom we're so far away from each other mm. on this earth but yet we felt that we were right next to each other in the same room and it was just such a warm heart-filling experience that yeah it's great it really was great. And I think one of the things I have to commend you for is, is your team building, because you go to a lot of trouble to do that. And you give everybody the floor and you give everybody their own way. You don't have an imposition on any of what any of us are presenting. And yet there is this team spirit. That I know with my team, because you put it out on Facebook, that I was just blown away that everybody was doing what they wanted to do and everybody was looking to serve each other and everybody's looking to make everybody else look great in what they're doing. And there's such a sense of that from you and Paul and Rachel. You really have a way of honouring the collective and there's no hierarchy. There's no top down, you know, oh, that, that person's the most important and that person's just doing a little infill. There's none of that feel to the day. It really, the whole 
ethos behind the way you put integrated biotensegrity together is an exploration, but also an expression of biotensegrity itself. It, you know, the body has hierarchy. There's nothing we can do about that. The body has hierarchy. It has a system. It knows how to save its own life under difficult circumstances. You know, if you suddenly have to run away from something or run towards a child to stop them running in the road, you don't want your body to do anything other than switch off everything except your breath, your vision and increase your heart rate because you need to get to that child before they get hurt. You know, that is hierarchical. That is an instant, loving, committed human action. Save a life in that moment. Go for it. That's hierarchical response. You want that fight, flight or save in this instance because you need your pupils to dilate. You need your breath to expand. You need your heart rate to increase so that you can move like lightning and you will even move into the paranormal if it's required to save a child. It's it's well documented. Mm-hmm. So no one's pretending that there isn't hierarchy. So we have a structure. We have the organizers, we have the keynotes, and we have the presenters. But the way in which you integrate that collectively, sir, that's heterarchical, which is the expression of, of, of tensegrity structure, whereby everything affects everything else. And the rhythm and the style of that and everybody that's presenting, and uh, you know, I'm not just talking about Mark and Paul and Helen in my team, shout out to all of you, <laughs> but also Karen and Astasi and John and Wilbur and, and Christine and everybody in all the teams that are working together. If I haven't named you, please forgive me. I'm, I don't have a list here. So Lisa can name everybody at the end and we'll put it in the, in the caption. So I just, I commend you for that. And I, I'm kind of hoping that you've seen evidence of that in your team building for this one. I'm kind of hoping you're going to tell me. Oh, oh gosh. Yes. Even more so because everybody knows what to expect. I mean, you were, you saw Mark Flanagan couldn't sit still in our in our team meeting yeah and he was was, brilliant he's like he's so excited (laughs) he is because he knows what to expect and he knows um he knows that it's a collective of of learning as as do all of us do that everybody's valued for what they have to say none of us um, well, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I know for me, I don't, I don't feel criticized to be course corrected when, you know, I don't quite have it. I, I don't quite maybe understand it. Maybe I'm using the wrong language to express. Maybe I need another bit of perspective to expand my knowledge. And so yeah. we're all there for that, right? Yeah. That's the heter- hierarchical part that I just love is like, I can ask questions and they can be crazy questions. And because I don't think there are any stupid questions, but you know, you ask it and you're almost, you know, holding on for, well, that was, you know, what kind of question is that? Well, it's a question. And, and probably more than one person was, was thinking that or wondering that we'll learn from that. It will, it will start a dialogue or it will, it, it will, expand a dialogue it will bring multi-dimensions to a dialogue or a discussion so I think that's a very exciting part but yes all teams are coming together I mean we still have a couple of class descriptions to, to put up but that's because of the 
the, the intensity of how important it is for everybody to shine so that everybody else shines. And that we but that's your ethos. That's your ethos. And I'm just going to take a moment to blow your trumpet because I know a lot of people that work with you. And I know you've just said, I can't speak for everybody else. I speak for myself. But I know that in your work and your life, that means the world to you. So talk to me a little bit about the work that you do, Lisa, in the world. I mean, I know you're a a yoga teacher and what else? What is it that you do in your one-to-one work that brought you to this with such keen interest to understand more? Sure. Well, I, I was, um, I was probably in my early twenties and I had a really bad case of plantar fasciitis and a, and a fractured narvicular bone from fitness. Oh, Oh. Mm -hmm. you don't want one of those. No, you want neither of those. And so I think it was just a sort of a, a natural thing for me to think this shouldn't be happening when we are exercising. Ex- exercise shouldn't break us. We shouldn't be in pain, but I kept going, of course. And those weren't my only injuries. And But I was always watching movement and, and questioning, well, why would we want to do that in such a way? Or why would we want to do this exercise? And so when I started to, um, I think... It was Doug Keller that I started to read his yoga as therapy manuals and started to get a different perspective. And then I found Tom Myers and I went to a dissection with Tom Myers. And as soon as I did the first cut, it was like, okay, this is not what I thought. And what I'm teaching is not honoring what's under the skin and what animates this beautiful human structure. So it's, it's a rethink. And um, that's where I happen to find you, Joanne and Wilbur and John at that, at the Canadian Biotensegrity Symposium that Wilbur did. And I was like, okay, this is a thing, right? Because I started teaching very, very differently and watching how people moved and was supportive and why are, why are we getting hurt? Why are we in pain? It's not age. People say, oh, it's because I'm older. No, 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 no. I'm 53. If I live to be 100, which isn't unheard of, that means that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be in pain? No, thanks. No, thank you. And so I get out of bed like I was 23, the way I should have when I was 23, without hobbling on feet that hurt so badly and and probably bent over somewhat trying to open myself up and and get moving again. I don't wake up in pain anymore. And I'm very active and I do lots of different things. And I I do some crazy things, but I know how to to bring it back and reconnect it back together again. So I take that into people that I teach and all my classes are in real time. I watch what people are doing and how they're doing it. And I give them cues to bring the whole back together when it's been disconnected. And do you do it under the name of yoga or do you do it under the name of something else? So I I do it in my yoga classes, but I also have created a a, a different type of class called integral movement and, and why I've taken it away from, from using the word yoga, even Mm. though you'll see some yoga postures in it 
is because people were, were getting angry when we started to do this. They were like, this isn't yoga. What is this? And so we couldn't figure it out. And uh, one day, Harry, you know, Harry, one of my teachers yep. said to me, I think I know, Lisa, they want you to tell them how to feel, how this exercise should feel for them. You're asking them to pay attention. It's different. And so it gives people um, the power to be able to go, okay, is this movement working for me? Is this going to benefit me? Because that's going to change on any given day. Of course. Right? Yeah. And so, but, you know, I watch people, oh, I had my run today. I had my yoga today. And it's like, okay, but did that serve you? Because a lot of these people come and go, oh, yeah, I've got a sore hip. Okay. So then is the- But I'm going to do my run anyway. You know, my hip hurts me, but I promised myself I'd run every day this week. So I'm going to do it anyway. I know it's crazy. Aren't we crazy? We're crazy. I I do it too. So I'm not criticizing anybody, but I've learned to stop and go, okay, (laughs) ask again, Lisa, is this good for you? Nah, no. Or if it needs to be done, so I, I, I train a lot of athletes. And so, you know, my son is one of those, he'll say to me, okay, well, I got to do this. And it's like, okay, don't worry about it. Do it. We'll fix it later. So, and, and part of my work with them is empowering them to pay attention and to know what they can do really, really quickly so that they can perform when they need to, not in pain, not because they took a, a painkiller, but because they've been able to bring the structural integrity back that they can move and adapt really, really efficiently. Brilliant. I love hearing this. And it inspires me. And I mean, you, and as you said, we all do it. I mean, I, I, as you know, I was quite ill last year and I've had to bring myself back and I, I teach Uh, I'm a yoga therapist, I'm a yoga teacher, all of those things. But I had to rethink my practice 150%. And it was like, hang on a second. I literally had to throw the books away and start again with what works in here Mm -hmm. and what works for me. I want to bring light through my body. I want lightness in the experience. I want to breathe differently. I need to move. I had to have two surgeries. So that meant I had the possibility of tethering and cording and all kinds of issues that are not only likely, but usually the case because I, you know, I, I trained with Tom Myers and I was one of his teachers for a while and Mm -hmm. several years I worked with him and I teach structural integration. So I teach manual therapists as well as movement teachers, how to manage such things Mm-hmm. And what was a shock to me, I have to say, I had to humble up because what you tell somebody else to do when you haven't experienced it is slightly different to what you tell them to do after you've experienced what, exactly what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I like to think it's not such a big gap, but my God, you know, and it's just what you're saying. I, I just, I think it's a gift that you can't tell somebody how to feel. You can't tell somebody what they feel. And somebody, we can't as students expect to be guided through the experience. I call that hijacking the mm-hmm. client's experience. And often it's what we want and it's what we need to get through things, you know, to get through the training and to learn how to do it. I get that. 
-hmm. But when it actually comes to the rubber hitting the road and being able to live your life not in pain from sitting at your desk too long, from overtraining, from doing too much in too short a space of time. The classic with my son is not stopping to take time to eat and then doing his performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he drove for three hours to do something for work and then drove three hours back and then was in a squash tournament in the evening and then couldn't work out why he felt absolutely terrible the next day and he hadn't stopped to eat but he'd driven and he said but driving's not tiring yes it is 150 percent attention for six hours plus the stress of doing it and then you play a peak performance game and you know you win the tournament and you feel like crap what's the point Mm -hmm. and it's it's that isn't it it's it's that let's Let's get the things we need. Let's get the ducks in the row for the performance. But let's also remember that when we're not performing, we're still moving. We still need to be out of pain. Mm-hmm. We still we can improve our performance by improving our rest, in my opinion. I think we are generally pretty crap at giving recovery the same attention as we give performance. Yes. I have students that they've learned that if they don't do movement, it's something. And it was hard because if they would do that, other people in the class would look around and think, well, you're not doing anything. And they finally started to say, I am doing something. This is something that I need. I need to be in the room or on Zoom. I need to be with other people. I need to hear the cues and I need to be given the space to learn that I'm going to make the decision as to what comes next. And this is very different because we, you know, language is important. We used to use different language. They used to say, Lisa gives us permission. It's not mine to give you. I mean, for a while, I'd say, yes, I'm going to allow you to do whatever you need. Well, it's not for me to allow you to do what you need. We just need to have the space to go, okay, what do I need? And then to do it without questioning or having to answer to anybody. I, I love this. And you know, my, my very dear friend, Paul Kay, every Thursday and every Monday, um, and I'm heading for it in a short while, there is a, a, at 8 p.m. UK time, midday LA time, Paul Kay does a do nothing hour on mm. a Monday, midday LA. And it's free. Anybody can join in. It's superb. And he spends an hour holding the space for consciously deliberately, intentionally doing nothing. Zero. Yeah. And it's not new, for goodness sake, yoga nidra has been in that realm forever. But what is so beautiful about, and I get it when you say being given permission, it's actually an invitation, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to give ourselves permission because we live in a culture that's all about productivity. And if you're not busy doing, achieving, completing and performing, then you're never going to improve anything. So, you know, pain removed, performance improved is not about doing nothing. It's about what something should we do? Yeah. 
Yeah. And as you say, doing something is doing nothing, is actively doing nothing. What am I doing nothing for? And one week we did the most beautiful meditation. He just does little readings, little bits of music in between. And was just we just know we've got this safe hour of being, as you say, held in community, listening to cues, listening to little quotes. It's just beautiful. Doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Deliberately and consciously. And, and one week it was for what? Well, I'm doing nothing now for my nerves to calm down. Or I'm doing nothing now because I can I'm doing nothing now because I've had a long day and actually it's a gift to me to be in this mm-hmm. community for an hour doing nothing. And it's that's what you're talking about, that's isn't brilliant. it? That, yeah. 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 Because sometimes I think that what emerges from my experience is that this doing nothing and having this pause and having this space gives gives room for i don't want to say things not to be okay but to observe what's going on so that we can engage in what we need mm, absolutely i don't know if that makes sense perfectly and i think that that's part of the productivity and the fitness exercise industry message that i think we're just off the mark on is that well, this has got to feel good. Okay, it doesn't. We'll keep going because eventually it will. Well, what if we just stop and pause and create some space doing something slower or something completely different that gives you time for interoception and to understand, okay, how do you feel? That's how mm-hmm. I start every class. How do you feel? What do you need? How will your time serve you when you step off your mat or out of the gym or fit when you're done your run, how is this going to serve you? Because if it's not going to serve you, then you've got to ask yourself why you're doing it, especially when we're doing it day after day after day after day. And of course, what's so beautiful is the change doesn't have to be a whole new career. The change can be a micro movement that you place your feet differently. The change can be that you just wear your shoulders slightly differently. The change can be that you breathe a little bit deeper and you breathe through your nose. You know, it can be those tiny micro changes that transform the rest of the practice because you've stopped to observe that something's out of whack. And it might be the smallest thing to make the hugest difference. Right. And you can change it right away. Like that's, I think that's the most important part of my job is to empower others to recognize that within them within themselves and then they don't need me to do it for them they can employ it straight away a lot of my students do that Hmm. and it doesn't take a long time you know you don't need an hour you don't have to go to the gym you don't it doesn't have to be five minutes if that's all you have five minutes ten minutes if you have an hour great sure but yeah, it's, it's right got to come from within. The answers have to come from within. What do I need? What will serve me? I hear you. I, it's echoing through the hallowed halls of my interior world. Seriously, I, I just, this last few months, it's, it's not been easy. And Mm-mm. getting up in the morning and I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, let's just, let's go and boil the kettle and have a cup of tea. 
And as the kettle's boiling, I'm thinking, well, that takes a few minutes. Why don't I do some minute to minute micro movements? And I swear to God, the biggest difference I've made has been from an eight to 12 minutes a day practice. Not every day. Some days I just didn't have the energy. But most days, eight to 12 minutes, beautiful micro practice. And you can't tell looking at me, anyone, where the surgery was, what limb's been affected mm. and so on. Nobody can tell. Mm-hmm. And it, and yes. when that experience comes to you, and it's it's been it's been my theory, I could have had this conversation with you this time last year, but I wouldn't have come from the same place. I would have been coming from, oh, that's such a brilliant formula. Mm-hmm. Whereas, in fact, the common denominator behind what we're both saying is that it's got to come from within. And when within is, uh-oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. now what? you still have access to that, don't you? You still have yeah. that interceptive awareness if you press pause long enough. Yeah. I love your word, deploy it. Did you say deploy or employ it? Whichever, it's it's yeah. brilliant that you're listening in, you're tuning in, and then you're saying, okay, so what are you telling me? I'm listening to you. What is it mm-hmm. that you need? Yeah. What is it that you need? And, you know, sometimes I'll stop and I'll think, okay, something is wrong. Something doesn't feel right. There, there's something, it's a feeling mm. and I'll stop and I'll create the foundation from the feet up takes two minutes, create the foundation and go, okay, even if whatever was wrong, isn't going to change. I have the structural integrity to deal with it. Whatever it is. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. So absolutely so important. Yeah. That little grounding practice, that little moment of, because that's the thing that's so beautiful about um, the 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 biological integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 well, I like calling it bioemotional integrity because I think the body and the emotions play a part. If you're upset, your posture's affected. There's nothing you can do about it. If you're full of joy, your demeanor changes because mm-hmm. it does. The 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 body, the being, the mind the emotions, the mentality, the subconscious, they're all part of our conscious or unconscious integrity, but it's all part of our structure. It's expressed in our structure. I mean, you know, you know that you read people when they walk in the door, you you can go, "Uh oh, what's wrong? The minute they come through, you can see it. And there's this structural expression of the emotions. That's why I call it bioemotional integrity. But that is, we can sense that in ourselves, right? And even if you have to perform, I mean, if you're an athlete and you're about to do a performance in Commonwealth Games or whatever, you know, part of Wilbur's training of the athletes that he works with is how to psych themselves up mm-hmm. for that moment, but also how to psych themselves down once it's passed and how mm-hmm. to chill out and how to rest. And he's so big yeah. on appropriate rest. Yeah. And, and moving on from the experience, right? That that, yeah. that doesn't come go. into the next thing, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of this I've learned from my athletes because they are amazing. These, these, I mean, I, I'm right now I do mostly baseball, um, a little bit of hockey, ice hockey. And, um, I was, I was having a conversation with my son last night and I, he was, he just finished a, a weekend of games and, and, um, we were talking about, he catches, he's the catcher. And so he talks about the velocity of the ball that the pitcher throws. And, and he was talking about a pitcher that like, he's kind of all over the place, 
is, is what I see, right? Cause I'm not, I, I don't play baseball. I just watch them move. And, you know, he was telling me about this and, and he was saying, somebody said to him, oh, the ball's thrown at about 85 miles an hour from this particular pitcher. And my son said, no, no, it's probably more like 80. Like they can see these forces coming at them where, because these guys are throwing the ball, they're curving the ball, they're, you know, all this stuff. It's not coming down the pipe, not down the middle. And they see it because they got to catch it. And it's coming so quickly. And there's science that says the brain doesn't see it after a certain point of time. For them, I believe they've trained themselves to see the force of the ball. They even see it when they hit the ball. They sense it, they absolutely. Measure, they do. And they will measure it on a on a, a speed gun, right? It's on a radar kind of gun. So so and they'll be accurate. They'll be within a couple of miles an hour as to how fast that ball's going. It's no like, doubt. Ah. It's it's experience. It's practice yeah. and practice and practice and practice and practice. And it gives you a skill, a, a motion skill. And, and what you were saying about the resilience that you build up, that even if I feel negative or down, I can ground myself in such a way that I can deal with whatever is happening because mm-hmm. of the structural integrity. And they've got the structural integrity and the tuning to the resonance at that ball at that speed. Yeah. Now, they probably wouldn't be able to convert instantly to a different game not instantly, but it wouldn't take them very long right? because they're so tuned. Whereas if you said to me, right, I want you to come and do this, it would probably take me months and years to have even a, 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 a hopeful go at getting it. But when you practice, practice, but it was really funny. Yesterday, you've made me think my sister and I were walking along the road and there was a couple out in the sun on their drive playing table tennis. And my sister had her head on one side and I said, what, what's the matter? And she said, I can hear table tennis. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She said, I just know it's table tennis. And I was like, what? And we looked up and there was this couple playing on the, and we were joking with them. And I said, what was that all about? And she said, oh, don't you remember the summer when I was 11? No. <laughs> but she said, <laughs> we went to this um, park thing and it was one of those summer schools. And Mm -hmm. I think mum and dad sent me there every day or something. And I had to go there every day. And you probably went somewhere else. And she said, and all they had was table tennis. They didn't have anything else. And I said, so what did you do? She said, I played table tennis all day for five weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, I didn't even know you could play table tennis. She said, I play mean table tennis. (laughs) So I said, what do you mean? She said, when you've done nothing else (laughs) for eight hours a day. For five weeks, you yeah. get pretty nifty at table tennis. And I just looked at her and there's this resident skill in her system that I don't have, that I didn't even know about. And I looked at her and I was laughing. She said, why are you laughing? I said, because, you know, I've, I've known you a long time and I had absolutely no idea. You know, 50 years, I haven't known that you can play table tennis. And she said, do you know, it's really funny. Anytime I can just pick up a table tennis bat and and is it called a bat or a racket whatever it is a paddle you know paddle and yeah yeah and and pick she said and within about 20 minutes I'm back in my rhythm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I think there's something about the resonance of our rhythm in any kind of exercise that if we can change the dial Mm -hmm. if we have the power to dial it down and dial it up that that 
brilliance that your son has to read that, no, no, that's not 83 miles an hour. That is about 80 miles an hour. And he's probably right. Mm-hmm. He's right enough. He'll probably catch it. That's mm-hmm. the point. That's what he's paid to do, right? And he, I absolutely, I mean, I like years and years and years ago, I was a chocolatier. And my son's father was the boss and he's the finest chocolatier I've ever met. And I've met hundreds of them. And he had probably 350 distinctions of brown. He could look at chocolate in a vat with 25 kilos of chocolate rolling around in a a molding machine being turned. And he could tell you the temperature of it within half a degree looking at it. Mm -hmm. Now, that isn't even funny. That's like don't be ridiculous. That's not possible. But he could stand at the door and call across to somebody at one of the machines and say, that's just about to go. Mm -hmm. You've got to catch that. You've got to cool it. Now, what that meant was three stages down the line, when those chocolates went in the fridge to be set, they would go ginger because they'd been too Mm -hmm. hot in the molding machine. Mm -hmm. And he could predict what was going to happen three stages away just by looking at it. Unbelievable. But that's, Eskimos have how many different colours for snow? Mm. Different distinctions that, well, you might have because you have snow in Canada, but we don't have here, thank God. We just see snow and we panic here. We can't even drive a car. We don't have snow tyres, none of that. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) So with all that said, my darling. Yes. I think I just loved talking to you. I, I know we, we went a bit into our musings, but I think you've highlighted something that's so important, Lisa, and I know mm-hmm. it's what's behind your inspiration to bring the highest standards of movement, but the widest variation from movement mm-hmm. to stillness to self-expression into the integrated biotensegrity symposiums. But I know that your yeah. your personal goal is just that everyone makes a huge difference to everyone else and comes together to to do it yeah and that people get it you know it's not just for movement teachers it's for movement enthusiasts anybody that likes to move that wants a different perspective maybe that they haven't haven't heard of this before and you know there's a lot of people that are talking about fascia and that's great um i i my experience is is you cannot talk biomechan or sorry biotensegrity and fascia and apply it to biomechanical movement that we that we've done all this time in fitness we are not stackable so sometimes when people say well i understand the fashion i understand biotensegrity and then they go to cue and exercise it's back to stacking and linear linear um cues yeah and alignment yeah and so it it, it's and and it's a, such a shift. So I just tell people, you have to try it. You just have to experience to, to know it's different. And, and then you can make a decision if it's for you or not. Because only you know what, what's going to support you, right? But give it a good go. Like when people are new to my classes, I say, do this for two weeks and do nothing else, especially when they're in pain. Because they'll say, well, I'll do this and I'll do this. It's like, okay, but if what you're doing over here is creating the pain or contributing to the pain, then you then you want to stop it to see if it changes. And then when you add something else that gives you the structural integrity, 
you're it's two, three weeks, you're going to notice a difference. Is it going to change it all and, and quote unquote, fix it? I don't think we need to be fixed, but that's another discussion. No, but you'll, you'll see a difference. And if you pay attention, you'll know if that difference is going to support you or not. So this is such a great way to try it for three days. Again, you get the recording. So you got workouts, let's say for nine months or six months after nine classes of workouts for six months. And it's different genres, different disciplines. So and then of that's course, what's so fabulous about the symposium yeah. that you get a little bit of of the work you get feldenkrais you get uh yoga you get pilates you get uh, a little bit of the martial arts there's a little bit mm-hmm. more aerobic oriented there's restorative yoga there's all kinds of i know it's such a beautiful mixture and i'm i'm so excited about it and i think the key thing that we can really say to people and i i don't know if you agree with me lisa but i suspect you might is that once people have tried this, it's not about trying something new, the next best method. Mm-hmm, what they mm-hmm. actually uncover is natural motion, completely mm-hmm. natural motion, natural structural integrity. It's really about removing something. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's about removing pain, no question about that. But it's also about removing posed posture. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. nobody nobody walks – some of the yoga poses that we do, I mean – what nobody does that nobody walks around doing that but what we're doing is we're working towards a balance between stiffness and suppleness that works for us and i see people in yoga classes overextending over lengthening tissue forcing length at all costs drives me insane because Mm -hmm. they're buying in future problems and Mm -hmm. what this does is i think gives people an opportunity to see what their real scope of practice for them is Mm-hmm. When that happens, don't you find people start getting a confidence in themselves? Huge. And they want to try different things. And you can apply the concepts to anything that you do. That's yeah. the great thing. Um, I had a conversation with Wilbur the other day, Wilbur Kelsick, and um, my presentation is going to be about bringing this to strength and conditioning, mm, training, brilliant. weight, that kind of stuff. Because you you know how Wilbur is. He's like, Squats are useless. It's like, okay, but you can't just say don't squat anymore. I mean, we squat, you bend down to pick, uh, tie your shoes or pick something up. You're, you're squatting to a certain extent. So how can we bridge the gap of this is a very linear way of squatting to now let's work with the biotensegrity, the tension compression system of the body and enhance it and create this better structural integrity that you're not getting injured from squats because you can so i'm really excited to 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 the before and after kind of how can we have fun with this and it is fun you can get so creative that's what i love too so yeah well i can't wait and it's on the 9th is it the 8th 9th and 10th of april 8 9 10 april 8 9 10 april and then the details for London time will be in the caption with this um, podcast. And I just hope that whoever you are, you'll join us. And even if you can't join us, you'll scoop up this bag of nine sessions of movement to take with you for the next six months because it will all be recorded. And although the essence of it is to be there live with us all giggling and laughing and talking and asking questions of each other, um, because there's no hierarchy in the group we're just all in it together 
mm-hmm. um, you can have access to this afterwards, even if you can't be with us at the time. So, yes. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. I'm so thrilled to talk to you always and big love. Joanne, thank you. It was a pleasure and a privilege to chat with you today and big love to you too, my friend. Thank Take you. care. You too.